Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. You guys are um, in, in a series leading up to Easter. We're talking about, you guys have talked about the power of creation. We've talked about sin. And uh, today I want to talk to you about the story and, and what it means, the word redemption. But I want to kind of set the table with all of this now. You know, um, as I said, I am American um, by birth. Uh, I don't know, just these days, I just feel like generally it's sort of like, sorry. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Um, <laughs> I moved to Australia along with my uh, uh, wife, who is Australian. We moved here in 2007. So I've been in Australia for quite some time now. And one time a few years back, uh, Bro and Gabby and me and Liv and along some other pastor friends, we were in the great state of Alabama together in the United States. Now, Alabama, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. And you know what's funny, I, um, I had experienced when I came to Australia, you know, these, we speak English here, right? But it's a uh, different version of English. I had to learn all sorts of new words uh, in the Avo. In the Avo, you can have Avo on toast. It's a whole thing. Maccas. Uh, but, but when we went to America together, it was great because then the tables were turned. And I remember we were in uh, uh, like a, one of those like American diners late night after church, and and bro was trying to ask for um, some serviettes. All right. So the waitress, she's like, "Y'all need anything?" And uh, bro says, "Yeah, can I have some serviettes, please?" She goes and gets a set of cutlery, and brings it and hands it to him. And bro's like, "Thank you." can I have some serviettes? And she was like, she looked at that, she looked at him, she looked, and she was like, no problem, sugar, I'll be right back. She went, got him another set of cutlery and handed him another set of cutlery. And I saw this happening on the other end of the table and I was kind of like chuckling to myself because in the South, they call their cutlery silverware. And so when he was saying serviettes, she kept thinking he was saying silverware and then there was an exchange, and finally she was like, oh, honey, you want some napkins? And she went and brought him a thing. And then my other friend's sitting next to me, and she's like, y'all want any coffee? And he's like, I'll have a, can I have a white coffee? And the look of confusion that just, <laughs> she was like, I don't forget, she goes, uh, I'm sorry, but we don't have white coffee. <laughs> and I was like, well, he wants coffee with milk. Said, oh, sugar, no, I'll get you coffee with milk. There's all of these, there's a language barrier, right? And, and, and sometimes in church, we have a language barrier in church too. We say things in church we don't say anywhere else. I don't ever remember in high school somebody telling me, bro, my parents are out of town. This Friday at my house night, we're going to have fellowship. <laughs> nope, never happened. Never happened. Uh, backslide. I've never heard anybody say like, you know, hey, I haven't seen Steve at the gym for a few weeks. I'm worried that he's backsliding. Um, we use all these different words and sometimes we have to be careful because in, in our Christian walk, we need to know what we're talking about and know what we mean and know what we're saying. And sometimes we can be very familiar with a word or, and, and we can agree to it and nod to it and, and we get a, a, a portion of its power, but we can miss the fullness of its power when we don't maybe fully understand what we're talking about. And I think one of those words for us can be the word redemption. Redeemed. What does it mean? Uh, we redeem vouchers. 
We redeem gift cards. Uh, so there's a little bit of it's in our common language more than some of the other things. But I still don't think we comprehend the magnitude of what it means. What does redemption means? Which brings me to another question. And this is the ultimate question. In my opinion, you might come from a different background. You might come from whatever. But I think the ultimate question, the existential question, the big thing that is the question of, of human history, why did Jesus come? Who was Jesus? What did he do? And for us as Christians, we believe he came to redeem you. Yes. He came to redeem me. Yes. But even more than that, he came to redeem all of creation and to establish God's kingdom as it is in heaven. It was a huge work that Jesus came. Redemption is a huge and powerful idea that goes around uh, all of history and literally redefines human history and repurposes our future for where we're headed to. I want to read a scripture in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It says this, But Christ has redeemed us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, that's you and me, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us. It is a work that he's done on the cross. It's a powerful work. And, and, and my hope is over the next few minutes, we can unpack a little bit more maybe in our heart and in our life of what this means, and, and particularly what it means in our day-to-day what does it mean for Monday? What does it mean for tomorrow? What is it? It's something that you and I can say amen and agree to, and it's great. Please feel free as much as you want. But, but what is it and where is it Monday morning? What is it and where is it when we're in that hospital waiting room? You know what I mean? Pastor uh, Bronson showed us last week about sin and that sin didn't just break us, it broke the world. It, it, Jesus came and lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we deserved, so that justice can be satisfied and salvation is offered as a free gift of grace through faith. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned, right? And come short of the glory of God. That's all of us. And so one of the things I, I, I say to my church in Tamworth all the time is the, the world, everybody around us expects us as people in church, religious people, or churchies, as some of my friends out in, in the West call it. Oh, you're one of those churchies. Like, yeah. And they say to me, like, what's your church like? Is it one of those ones where everybody, like, waves their hands around, claps their hands, and gives all their money? And I'm like, pretty much. Um, <laughs> pretty much summed it up. I guess we'll just keep it simple. But I say to my church, in the gospel of Jesus and in the story of Jesus, there is no us and them. It doesn't exist. Jesus broke those walls down. There is no us and them. There is just us and him. For all have sinned. We are all in the same boat. People get upset about, oh, how could you say that about me? Well, I'm not saying anything about you that I'm not saying about myself. We are all in the same boat together. All of us have fallen short of God, but verse 24, and we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that Christ today is offering you redemption. Yes. 
He offers you something that is a free gift by grace through faith because of what he has done. They already, we've already said it. It's not about our works or what we have done. It's about what he has done. You see, with, with us and with our world, we, we think we can redeem ourselves. And whether we realize it or not, whether we think of it in a religious context or not, everybody wants redemption. And everybody is trying their best to find their way to it. If we think of redemption as to say, if we maybe take our religious hat off for a moment and we think of redemption instead as like, my life counts, it matters, and I'm a good person. We could go, that's universal. I, I mean, other than maybe people who are, you know, not, not quite, they're a little <laughs> off in the head maybe. None of you are here. I wasn't talking about any of you. All of us have that. And this redemption, this thing, we try to earn it through so many ways. We can try to earn it by being good enough, Christian or non-Christian. We can try to, to earn it by, by doing the right thing, by being a good parent or being a good employee. Or we want to think that I am here not just taking up space and taking up oxygen and taking up resources, but it matters that I'm here. And, and it, it, it's important that I exist. The, the world... Somebody out there, something cares that I'm here and it's making a difference. It's something that is universal, but we can, we can think, oh, I, I, if I'm just good enough, I'm a good enough parent, citizen, whatever, or if I, maybe if I earn more, if I have enough security, if I have enough friends, if I have enough importance, if I have enough power. But the problem is with the good enough paradigm with us is it always falls short because how good is good enough? I like to say this when I talk to people about Jesus and how we all need a savior and we, we all are falling in the category of sinners. Because right away, that's kind of like, it's, again, it's one of those churchy words. Sin doesn't really get used. They don't talk about that a lot. And, and you know, it's kind of like, well, who are you to tell me? I mean, I don't think I'm a sinner. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good person. I say this. I said, well, let's just imagine this. Let's, let's say the standard was just this. Take God out of the equation. Take the Bible out of the equation if you want. And let's just say this is the standard. Let's pretend, pretend that your phone is listening to you and recording you all the time. Pretend. Just pretend. All right? And you get to the end of your life, and God says, rather than going to the Bible or some standard that he has set, he goes, we're going to listen to the playback of everything that you said that was a good person, that's something that you should do. Don't do this. Do that. And then we're going to see if your life matches up with the standard you set for yourself. All of us would go, um, can we not? Can I just see the phone real quick and delete the file? We're all in this boat. It falls short. Pastor Bro talked about it. But Jesus didn't come, thank God, to point out how much we fall short. He came to redeem us through his work of perfection. The good news is that Jesus redeemed us by taking our place. And he says today, whoever would come, come. Come to me. But what does redemption mean? Well, here's the thing. We error when we live, uh, as Christians especially, and if, if you are sort of on the fence with Christianity or sort of looking at, I want to have the opportunity later to pray with you. And I believe that God has you here on purpose. And, and today might be a day where you would go, you know, I'm, I want to take a step towards Christ and Christianity. But as Christians, we err when we, when we think or we live like our redemption was paid for 2,000 years ago by Jesus. And in one day, it's going to be really, really, really awesome when we all get to go to heaven. And it really is only kind of those two bookends that we think about. 
We only think about it as a completed work that we rejoice over, we sing about, we get excited about, we write songs about, and then we go, and then in the sweet by and by, as we say in the South, in America, it's going to be amazing. But redemption is not simply an anesthetic that just dulls the pain between here and there until we get to heaven. That's not the purpose of why Christ came. That's not the purpose of what redemption is. Redemption is about human flourishing. It's about life right now. You see, the phrase eternal life, Jesus says, I came that you would have eternal life. We think of it as a quantity statement because of the word eternal. But infinite isn't really a quantity. It's infinite. So it's kind of like, I mean, it is and it isn't. Do you know what I mean? But What's, what's built into the idea of eternal life in, in scriptures, what Jesus is talking about, it's not actually a, a fully just a quantity statement. It's actually a quality statement. And, and if we think that redemption is just about everything's going to be really hard here, but I've got this sort of, you know, anesthetic that'll keep everything a bit, I'll be okay in this life. And then when I pass over, man, then that, when I pass across over Jordan, when I die, then it'll be beautiful and wonderful. That is an incomplete story of the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus says that actually, rather than just you going to heaven one day when you die, I have come so that heaven can come to earth in your life now. That instead of, that, that heaven will be a continuation. Now, granted, it will be, it will be, it will be very, very good. But it will be a continuation of the goodness and the glory of God we have tasted and experienced so far a continuation on from that. It's about human flourishing. And you guys have been uh, looking at testimony videos uh, each week. And this week, you guys have one as well from easily the most handsome location pastor across all of Elevation Church, Pastor Bro. And uh, we're going to go actually to a testimony video now about the power of redemption and human flourishing now. Thanks, guys. My story begins when I was about three or four years of age where my parents separated and my twin brother went to live with my dad and I went and lived with my mum. And fast forward about five, six years, I'm now about eight or nine years of age and my mum comes to me and she says, uh, Bronson, I'm going to send you to go live with your dad. Now, I hardly knew my dad. I had no real recollections of my earlier childhood when I was living with him. I spent maybe one summer uh, holiday over Christmas with my dad and my brother and his wife, but I didn't know him at all. So I didn't really grasp what was occurring. I didn't really understand what was happening until the day came where I waved goodbye to the only family I'd ever known and I hopped in the car and drove off with this brand new family. In the weeks and the months that followed, I quickly came to grasp what was occurring. I quickly understood what had happened. I was now living in a brand new family and on the outside, I looked happy. On the outside, I was laughing and I was joyful and I, I, looked, I looked good. But on the inside, I was very sad. And I remember for weeks and months after leaving my mum, I would cry myself to sleep every night in bed. And my parents never knew and my brother never knew until I was much older. I, I, I told them those things. I just couldn't understand why did someone who loved me, my mum, why would someone, the person who's supposed to love you the most, send you to go and live with a person you don't even know. And I had really strong feelings of abandonment and betrayal and I felt unloved and unwanted. I felt like I was cast off. 
I didn't realize at the time that those feelings of abandonment and resentment would turn into bitterness and that's what happened. They turned into bitterness and re resentment towards my mom in my teenage years and even as a young adult I felt those feelings towards her. I didn't know that what happened to me as a 10 year old was actually God working in my life and it sounds strange to say that but God was doing something and what I thought was something bad, God was turning into something. I didn't realize that the future that I had in the home that I grew up in as a young uh, toddler and young child was a place of violence and drugs and substance abuse, was a place of depression and was really a place of no future and no hope. And God was taking me from that place. He was redeeming me. He was saving me. See, God's not just interested in saving our eternity. He wants to save. He wants to step into our world here right now on earth. And he was stepping in to save me from that future and give me a new future. My dad and my new mum were pastors, brand new pastors, of a new church in Melbourne called Sunshine Christian Outreach Centre. And it was in my new family that I experienced love, that I experienced acceptance, that I experienced a peace that I'd never ever felt before, even as a young person. And it was through a relationship with Jesus Christ and I'm so thankful that what happened to me at 10 happened. At the time I wasn't thankful, but now I see it through the lens of time, through the lens of God's redeeming and saving grace, through the Holy Spirit leading, I believe now, and prompting my mother to send me to live with my dad. I see now how God was acting at that time in my life. I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I wouldn't have the character traits and the, the values Today, if I had not grown up underneath my dad, his strong Christian godly influence, I wouldn't be the, the person that I am today without the encouragement of my mum, my new mum, who I now call mum, her encouragement in my life so many times over the years. I wouldn't have the fantastic wife and the, the, the beautiful children that I have today. I wouldn't be the pastor of Elevation Melbourne West if God hadn't intercepted my life at the age of 10 take me from one path, redeem me, save me, and set me on a new path. And so I praise God every day. What happened 35 years ago to me, I didn't understand at the time, I was confused. But now I say, God, I thank you, I praise you always for that day. I praise you always continually now in my life, at the age I am now, for your grace, your saving power, and your redemption. So good. Thank you for sharing that, bro. Really appreciate you. Thank you as well. Um, I'm going to go fast. Redemption is about human flourishing. And redemption is a recreation. You see, sin is an uncreation. The, the, the object of the enemy, the object of sin is destruction, death. The way Jesus put it is not just those, not just what could kill the body, but what could kill the soul. The, the, the uncreation of something is the goal of sin. Descending back into chaos, back into darkness, like the very first verses of Genesis describe, is what the ultimate goal of the enemy of what sin is. And Jesus' redemption is ultimately about the restoration of Eden. It, and, and bro's going to talk about more about this next week. But what was the best part of Eden? Was it, was it the food? 
and I'm just, I'm not even going to touch the whole nudity thing. We'll just leave that until I'll get to, I'm going to make a point out of it in just a second here. I just think about sunburn. They must have had like some kind of, they probably had beautiful olive skin is probably what they had, unlike somebody like me, who just burns instantly. What was amazing about Eden? We can get distracted with all the things in the paradise and we can think about grapes and flowing rivers and beautiful scenery, but you know what made Eden what Eden was? God was there. God was there. The Bible says that they experienced God. Their experience of him was as real as an afternoon walk in the cool of the day. That's how, that's how real God's presence was in that place. And as much as I have a joke about, I was joking about the whole nudity thing, we've all had the dream where you have the big day, the big presentation, you're standing in front of the big person and you can't find your clothes or whatever. But what there's, there's a symbolic thing that's happening here. It was just like, if you like, they're there with God. They're having the most important meeting, if you will, that they could ever have in their life. And they don't have their clothes on and they're not ashamed. Meaning that there is an intimacy and there is, it's not a sexual thing, but there's an intimacy, there, there's an acceptance, there is a place of comfort and rest that you and I can only imagine about. That's what made Eden, Eden is God has, was there. And then the, the, <laughs> the angels in Matthew 1, when Jesus arrives, quote again and quoting the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, where he says, they will, he's here, they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Jesus has come to restore and to recreate us. What sin has decreated or uncreated, the redemptive work of Jesus restores. And that's not just in the sweet by and by. That is meant to step into our world now. It changes the way we experience our life. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and 18. We're very familiar with verse 17, I think, for a lot of the times, but we'll read the two around it. From now on, he says, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh or just according to the natural or just according to the, what we see or maybe their, their history or their family background. Not that it doesn't matter. It's just that that's not the, way, the main label that we put on you. Even though we once regarded Christ even according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, uh, the Bible says here that Jesus' coming is not just about a ticket punch to heaven. It is about a recreation happening now. It is about a Genesis chapter 1 that God is going to do and has done for the Christian in their hearts that works its way outward as a recreation in their whole life. We call the process sanctification is the big word. But there is a recreation. There is a newness that God and Jesus in his redemptive work has paid for and is working in the hearts of the believers right now. You see, we Western people, we're naturalists. We think of, of all the natural things that would make Eden awesome, but we forget the one thing that made it awesome, and that it was God was there. God was there. Relationship is restored. And we can sometimes think of redemption as, as just like a court case kind of thing, which is, which is, is good, but it leaves it short. Because if you were to stand in, in court and, and the judge, you know, uh, Someone comes in and there's, a, there's another testimony and someone comes in, which is Jesus, we would say, and we'd say, I'll take the punishment judge for them. And then, you know, you're, you're acquitted and you get to go free. It, it's, it's a great picture of us being freed from sin, 
but it does fall a little bit short because what happens then is not just did the judge bang the gavel and say, okay, not guilty, you can go, but then now the judge is restored to relationship with us as well. Now we are not just, uh, you know, acquitted, but it's more like being acquitted and then being given a kingdom at the same time. It's a powerful thing. Jesus' redemption wasn't just a transaction. It was about a restoration of interaction with God and with him. The same thing that made Eden paradise, God was there, is now restored in Christ Jesus. And redemption is about restoring you to relationship. Restoring you to relationship. Maybe keys can come up, um, please, and I'll finish up here in just a moment. Relationship with God, relationship with community. This is what the church is. We're called to not just be a religious organization, but to call to be a people who have a work of God that we're doing in the earth of bringing restoration. Because it says this in verse 18, that Christ has reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And you see, you might be out here today and you might say like, wait, I'm, I'm not in ministry. I just, whatever, fill in the blank of whatever else you do. But as a follower of Christ, as someone who has received reconciliation, redemption from God, he calls you into the greatest meaning, the greatest purpose you and I could ever hope to experience. Something so cosmically and eternally significant that it makes even the simplest task done in its name something that is worthy of glory and something that is worthy to be done with joy and with strength. When he says, I give you now the ministry of reconciliation. Hmm. The word in, in Galatians 3, I'll, I'll, I'll go here, this, where it said Christ has redeemed us. It's it's, uh, there's a Greek word there for redeem that's only used four times. It's exegorazo. And it's in Ephesians 5.16 as well. It gets translated as, you might have read this verse before. It says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That whole phrase, making the best use of the time, that's translated into English, is one word in the original Greek, trans, uh, Greek writing of it, exegorazo, redeem. Some translations say, redeem the time because the days are evil. Bro talked about it that God's work in our life right now is a making the best use of the time, making the most use of the time. You see, God has this amazing ability to take whatever our life is and whatever it's at now, and we place it in his hands. He has an ability to take that and make the most of it. Even the, even brokenness, even difficulty. And I'm not trying to downplay anything that anybody's going through here today. But there is a redemption like, like Bro shared so beautifully in his story that God wants to give you in your story and even in your pain that redeems that and takes it away from something that is evil into something that is good. There was work in Eden. There is work now. There will be work in eternity. Bro's going to talk more about these sort of things as we go on. But we are called to redeem the time we are in and redeem what we have. How? By doing spiritual stuff, by praying, by reading the Bible, by going to church. Yes, but also in all that we do, which is why Paul pleads with us in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you're doing, do it all to the glory of God. See, we think, we think redemption is only about our spirit. We think it's only a spiritual thing, but you know, creation 
It's, it's Gnosticism. It's ancient Gnosticism that says the spirit is, is pure and great and everything physical is dirty and wrong. That's not biblical. God created a natural world. He created a physical world with, with trees and fish and fruit and food and grass and air and sky and all of these things. And God has come to redeem it all back to himself. This is why living for Jesus and the glory of God and, and the creation that we heard about in week one, God's heart is to restore that. And that will be the ultimate ending of this. If you read the end of the Bible, and, and Bro's going to touch on this a little bit more next week. If you read the end of the Bible, it doesn't end with you and us disembodied, leaving off to heaven. It doesn't. Some of you might be surprised with that ending. I thought I was going to be a ghost in white sheets playing a harp for the rest of eternity. No, the, the, no, the story ends with a new heaven and a new earth. The earth redeemed and purified and brought back to its original state where King Jesus now rules and reigns and will rule and reign forever. And you know what? We will work in the same way we work now. God, there was work. God put man in the garden before the fall and there was work there. This is why it's so powerful and that this is what I, this is a story I want to tell you. I pastor in Tamworth. I, I, I love that town. I love my church. The only downside of being here is I have to be away from them this morning. But I also have another part-time job. And I've done a few things around it, building and some stuff like that. And I just uh, got a, a different job at the start of this year. And um, what it is, is there's a, a school in town and it's, it's a Christian school. And I am a part of the maintenance staff at the school. Which another way you could say it is, I'm a janitor at school. Or a custodial engineer, if you like. Here's what, here's what my point is in, in sharing that with you. My work, this is, this is what's revolutionary about redemption and about what Christ wants to do to your life now. About how, how you wake up tomorrow and how you do what you do. How you, how you commute to work. How you raise your kids how you are in your singleness, how you, wherever you are. The Bible says that, that my work as pastor of the Way Church Tamworth and my work of custodial engineer at the school is just as much God's work as this one is. Because I am called to carry that redemptive work. When I'm wiping over those desks, and I'm cleaning classrooms and I'm setting things up. There is a godly order. And some of you, some of you have felt this your whole life. When you do work and you, you, you know, you have like a messy room and you go in and you make it all right. And you're like, it just feels like it's like, this room's good now, isn't it? Do you know that was your created purpose from the beginning? God said to men and women, he said, go out and subdue the earth. I've given you trees, now build buildings. <laughs> I've given you raw elements, now make concrete and skyscrapers and society. Now go, go and build and fill the earth. That there is something that you and I have a created purpose that everything we do, when we read the scripture, when we pray, when we come together, we're called to do that to the glory of God. And you know something else too? When you're out doing your work, when you're out building, when you're out creating, when you're sending emails, when you're doing those things, that is called for the glory of God as well too. Behind every good, there is God working through us 
God redeems us, restores our relationship with him. And all of redemption is about a source of life that has come to you now, not just a ticket to heaven, not just a ticket to heaven. I'm so thankful that heaven is my home, but I'm telling you right now, there is, and it's not just going to be a big gap till one day we get to go do that. God's calling right now for us to walk in his presence and walk in his calling right now, right here with what you're doing, exactly where you're at. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your redemptive work in the cross. God, we thank you that what you've done for us in Christ is more wonderful and powerful and great than we could ever imagine, than we could ever hope.